Well, I think that's a good setup for where we're going today. Good morning. My name is Matt Davis, marriage and family pastor and fellow resident Jew. Um, we are going to go through Romans chapter 16 today. So if you want to get your Bibles out there, um, we're going to go through maybe one of the least exciting passages of Scripture. And uh, we're going to read through a list of names. But before you walk out and say, I shouldn't have come today, I want you to stick around for a little bit. We're going to have a little bit of fun with this. And I believe that God is going to speak to us as we go through this. Um, I, I asked uh, three of you if you would help me uh, before the service. So if, I w- if you were one of those people, I would like for you to come on up. And uh, what I want us to do is we're going to engage a little bit. And uh, it's a little bit of a, a guessing game. So come on up here on stage with me. Annie, you can actually hold that for me. Um, what I have here is there, there's uh, one of our other pastors on staff. His name is John Sherman. Uh, he's up at a family reunion right now, I think in Oregon. Uh, but he has this game. John is known for collecting all kinds of weird stuff. Um, and so he has a box of stuff called What Is It? And so I asked if we could borrow three What Is It's. And so I'm going to distribute the What Is It's to you today. And uh, what we're going to do is uh, actually have a little bit of a guessing game where you guys are going to help us. You're going to give your best guess as to what these objects are, what they were used for at some point. Maybe they're still being used today. So they're examining these objects. And so we will go through one at a time and uh, get a a guess as to what it is. So I'm going to actually hold this one up um, just so the camera can kind of zoom in and see. It's, uh, it's kind of heavy, right? And uh, it, it, there's part of it that actually looks somewhat familiar. So Annie, as you're looking at this, as you're holding it, um, and you can even see some, some lettering, some inscription on there. But what is your best guess as to what that is? Well, this is me you're talking. And yes. Everything becomes a percussion instrument. Ah, perfect. <laughs> okay? All right. Yes. No? How about... I think that looks a lot like a key. Okay, I, I agree with a you. A lot I, like a key. I think it looks like a key. What is the key for? Oh, manicotti. Let's see. <laughs> for something by the title of 8204980. And anyway, let's try the forehead of somebody that's got a really big brain. I don't have any idea. All right. Raise is. your hand if you've seen this before and you actually know what it is. Perfect. Good. That's what I was hoping for. This is actually a locomotive reverse key. Oh, which I don't really know much about that. I'm not an engineer, but I guess if you want to make the locomotive, the train, go backwards. You put this in, you turn the key, and it allows it to go backwards. Unique? You like that? All right. We're moving on to Mr. Dave Baker. Um, Dave, uh, I'll hold this up for a second so we can all see. Uh, But this thing right here, I don't know if it, 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 it's like this or if you go like this, but as you've been kind of looking at it, what... It looks, it looks like, like some kind of mold. It's got a residue on the inside. Yeah. So I think it's some, a mold for some sort of uh, electrical box. Electrical box mold. Or maybe even just the thing that you put over the butter that... <laughs> no, it's, it's not that. It's not that. What this actually is, uh, it's another train thing. This in the caboose, if you're going into the caboose and you happen to smoke, this was the ashtray. Ashtray. All right. I knew it had a residue in it. That is the residue. And so we're going to go down here to my good friend, Bert Solis, and I'll take this thing. Sure. Um, So as you can see, this is actually kind of a mechanical thing. So you can 
if you uh, maybe play guitar, it maybe strengthens you. But what, what do you think, Bert, as you've been investigating and looking at this, what, what do you think? Um, I think it might... You probably use it to pick up things. I don't know, maybe coal? Maybe, for, maybe that's what I'm thinking. You're going along the train idea? Yep. You pick up some Maybe that or, or maybe to pick up uh, bales of hay. Okay, bales of hay. That kind of looks like I've seen one of those things before. Okay. Uh, and being a little bit on the shorter side, I've okay. seen things like this that are a little bit longer, right? If you can't read something on the top shelf, <laughs> that's yep. what it kind of looks like. But what this actually is, is this is called a fish grabber. You catch a fish, and as the slimy little thing is coming into the boat, you can grab it, and hopefully you don't cut its head off in really? the process. Okay. So, uh, would you give them all a round of applause? Thank you guys for participating. So we have these three things, and, and what I wanted to do is just think about this, is John, John let me borrow those, but as I was kind of thinking through and reading through our passage today, um, we, we're kind of coming in touch with things from a, a long time ago. We have some kind of knowledge of maybe it's this, there's parts of this that look familiar, but really there's a disconnect between these objects and what they're actually used for and maybe our knowledge, and as we look through... Romans chapter 16, and we look through these verses in the very beginning, um, we're reading a list of names. There's actually 26 of these names that we're going to go through this morning. Um, and as we do it, and I talked about this last week, that we are reading other people's mail. Paul has written this letter from Corinth to the people of Rome, this initial church. And I love that the waters said that we're pioneers. Paul was a pioneer. He, we talked last week, he wanted to go into the places where Christ's name was not preached. But Paul is writing this letter and, and he is, he's explaining some things and, and he's talking about the people that he knows there, which is also very interesting because Paul at this point in his life has not even been to Rome. But he lists off this, this group of names. And so what I want us to talk about this morning, uh, Paul is making a list. And Paul is listing out the people that he knows. And he's, he's listing out their names. And, and what I want us to think about this morning is, um, who are the names of the people in your life that you know? If you were to write a letter and you're going to list out some of these people and you want to kind of give some thank yous, uh, who are the people? And what Paul is doing here is he's noticing. He's seeing some people. He's making special mention of some of these people. And, and there's a special word that I want to share with you that I, I maybe teased out a little bit if you read the email that we send out every week. Um, but think about this. We live in a very large world. Seven billion people. Seven billion people on this planet. More people alive today than ever in history, right? And it's kind of hard to be noticed. Some of our favorite entertainment on TV is watching people try to get noticed. Um, and sometimes you just feel like you are amongst cattle and that you are just one of a huge lot. And uh, if you saw the email this week, then you saw this video clip that I'm about to show you. Um, this is from Japan, a bunch of people. You thought your morning commute was bad. Take a look at what these people experience.
Now we have the all clear and they can go off to work. You ever feel like that on the five freeway sometimes? You just want to get out and just start pushing the cars? Um, we had a quick wardrobe change. I'm wearing a shirt and there's a word on here. And this is the word I want you to walk away knowing today. And the word is particularized. Uh, it's not a word that we use a lot. In fact, uh, there was a guy in my life that has particularized me. Um, and, and this is something that Paul is doing, and, and I think it, we, we need to pay special attention here. Um, living in the body of Christ encourages us to particularize one another. Now, in, in your outlines, uh, which is inside your bulletin, um, I, I spell this out a little bit. I give a definition um, that I got from dictionary.com, and I want us to learn this. We're going to talk about this word quite a bit this morning because this is important, especially in the body of Christ if we are going to be um, people who are going to be healthy and thriving in this community that God has given us. But this word particularize, it means to make particular, to mention or indicate specifically, to specify, to state or treat in detail, to speak or treat particularly or specifically. Sometimes you read a definition, you're all, I think they just used the word in the definition and that didn't help me all that much. But let me flesh this out a little bit more. Um, to be particularized, it's, it's more than just saying, oh, nice outfit today, or that's, that's a great haircut, or, you know, your kids are great. But, but to be particularized is, there's, there's a depth. There's, there's a connection from your heart, your soul, to another person's. Have you been particularized by somebody else in your life? Has there been a moment in your life, and I pray that there's been many, but has there been a moment in your life where you feel like you have been particularized? I think that this is what is going on in this chapter as Paul is doing this, and this is not something that is foreign to Paul. Paul, in many of his letters, he writes a list towards the end and says, send my greetings too, and then he gives a list of people. And so what I want to do this morning is pay attention to what Paul is doing. Um, as I've read through the commentaries and thought through this passage, um, we could spend a lot of time, and really what the commentators are doing is they're trying to give us as much history and context to these names as possible, and for the most part, it's not all that helpful. Um, we find out a little bit of history, a lot of it is speculative, but what we are trying to do is notice what Paul is doing. As an apostle, as a messenger from the Lord, Paul is doing something unique. He is particularizing a group of people. And I want us to be able to walk out of here this morning and to be able to have some tools in our belt that we can actually particularize one another. So this is what it looks like a little bit for us to be able to do this. Paul is particularizing, and we do this when we build others up. So in Romans chapter 16, verse 1, let's get to it. It says this, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church which is, in, which is at Sancrea, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, 
and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. Now, we got two verses here. There's a lady named Phoebe. There is this place called Sancrea. We know that this is in Corinth. It's actually off the coast. Most of Sancrea today is underwater. So if you want to go see it, that's where you go. But it's a beautiful little beach area. And Paul is writing his letter to the Romans here. But what we believe is that Phoebe is the one who actually takes the letter from Paul, gets on a boat, and then goes to Rome to deliver the letter. She is the messenger. She is the one who's bringing it. And he's taking special notice of her for a couple of reasons. There are a couple of things. There's actually 10 women that are listed in this passage here. Um, but she is special and unique for one of a couple of reasons, actually. She, she is a support to Paul. In fact, it says, he's, he's saying to the church in Rome, he says, I want you to receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. They didn't go online and just book the nearest courtyard Marriott and say, hey, I'm coming, I've got the reservations, it's all figured out. Um, for her to be even a woman to go on a boat and then to have to travel a good distance on foot to actually get there. Um, many people during this period of time were dependent on the saints and their brothers and sisters. So oftentimes there were letters sent saying, I can vouch for the character of this person. And Paul is saying, I want you to receive her. She is part of us and she is a great help. Whatever she has need of you, I want you to help to give to her. But she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. Now there's some words in the original language that, that give us an indication that what she is doing is she's giving a support to Paul, not just maybe putting him up, but also that she's financially helping to back his ministry. That she is a benefactor and that she is a leader in the church. And so Paul is trusting her and sending her off with this letter and saying, I want you to receive her in a manner worthy. That we are all together and we are part. But that, that she is uniquely and specifically and particularly important. And I want you to take notice of it. So this is how we are particularizing. We particularize when we build others up. But we also particularize when we acknowledge other people. Now, here is the list of names. I'm going to get most of them wrong, but you don't know that. You think I'm Jewish and I know how to say everything, so it'll be fine. But I want you, we're just going to read through this, and I want you to just take notice and, and see there are certain things that stand out. There might be certain names. Um, I also like to think of this in, in the perspective of um, if you are pregnant or you are having children or grandchildren and you're trying to come up with a name, there are entire books about baby names, um, but maybe this is some that you might have not considered. Um, so you can kind of look through here, and my test for it is if I can call their name and say, hey, so-and-so, it's time for dinner, and if it makes sense, then it might be a good name. So that's one way that you can kind of go through this. But we're here in verse 3, and we're going to see Paul particularizing and acknowledging some of these people. So in verse 3 it says this, Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Also greet the church that is in their house. Greet Epinatus. Epinatus, it's time for dinner. My beloved, who is my first convert to Christ from Asia. My first convert to Christ from Asia. This part of Asia is probably modern-day Turkey. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They were in prison together. 
who are outstanding among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. And Stachys, my beloved. Greet Apelles, the approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my kinsman. Greet those of the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa. They think that they might be twins. And their names actually mean, I think it's delicate and dainty. So, it's kind of cute little twins. And believe it or not, I think that they're female names. Workers in the Lord. Greet Persis, the beloved, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord. Also his mother and mine. We don't actually believe that this is Paul's real mother, but a mother figure in his life. Greet Asyncritus and Phlegon. Phlegon, it's time for dinner. Hermes and Patrobus. Hermas and the brethren with them. Greet Philogus, Philologus, Philologus and Julia. Nereus and his sister and Olympus and all the saints who are with them. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> you look at this and you say, what am I supposed to do with this? Here we are, it's 2014, Paul wrote this a couple thousand years ago, and he's listing out a name. For some reason, God let him do it. I mean, you look at genealogies, and at least there's people that can kind of figure out, and there's some kind of family thing that we can trace, and there's interesting things generationally going on. But this is, this is a list of names, and as we look at this list of names, 26 individuals, two families, three house churches, it's made up of men and women, it's made up of poor, there's a couple in verse 8 and 9, there are slave names in there, all the way up to the wealthy. Paul is not name dropping here. He is giving a list of people, number one, that he knows who are in Rome. He probably knows no more than a hundred people in Rome at this point, but he's making particular mention of these people. He's acknowledging them. He's saying, I know who you are. And not all of them are even Christians. Some of them are non-believers. When he says, greet those in the house of, of Narcissus, well, we don't believe that Narcissus was a believer, but that he actually had people who were maybe even slaves in his home and... And these are the people that were part of the early church, the pioneering work that Paul was setting up in Rome. And so he's listing all of these things out. And there is something that is, is interesting. And I, you maybe have been in this, in this scenario in your life where you've just gone through something and you have to just start the thank you speech of all of the people. Maybe you sat in the audience when you had to listen to a thank you speech and you're like... Oh man, this is going to take a long time. The bigger the event, the more there is. And that's why like for VBS, I don't name anybody's name because I'm just going to get in trouble and leave somebody out. Paul is listing a group of people who are important to the work that is going on in Rome. And so he is acknowledging them uniquely and specifically. But what we do is we look at this. Now you've probably said, yeah, I've read the book of Romans, but I promise you, and I've done this too, when I get to this passage right here, all right, let's get through this part and let's move on to the next one. It's a little bit like watching a movie. Have you gone to a movie theater and you watch the movie and you come to the end point and the credits start rolling and what do you do? You get out. In fact, it's a little bit like this. Can we drop the house lights? And uh, the house lights are going to go on and, and here is the end of the movie Planet of the Apes. Check this out.
So the movie's out. The lights come up a little bit. And if you don't know that there's some kind of really fun special scene, five minutes later, you're, you're out, right? And so what's happening at this moment is we're reading the list of all of the people who've put in hours and years of their life to put together a movie like this. And you start to look at this, and for me, I'm looking at this list of names saying like, great, unit production manager, Wendy S. Williams. Good for Wendy. First assistant director, Pete White. Wow, that's great, but most of us have checked out at this point and we are trying to get to the parking lot. And we're done. Paul is rolling the credits now at the end of the book of Romans and he's saying there are some very important people. Now we can turn that off. And as we're doing this, I want you to think about this, is that these people might not be all of that, all that important to us, but, but as Paul is listing them out, he's, he's making some observations and he's, he's talking about some things that are, are really important. There's people. And on the back of your outlines, I've listed out, because as I was reading it, I kind of saw one column on the left of all of the names. And then on the right-hand column, there were all the things that they were doing that, that were noted for this is, this is what we got to do together. These are the people that are helping out. And so if you wanted to look up some more information, do some more research, I, what I don't want to do is kind of unpack all of their names. I, I don't think it's incredibly helpful for all of us. What I want to do is talk about what Paul is doing. Um, we have uh, one of our own here at Calvary. His name is John Winokur. He's actually at the tech booth today. Um, who works in the entertainment industry in computer graphics and worked on Captain America 2. And uh, his name was one of the names at the end of the movie that was rolling on the credits. Can you imagine? You watch the movie, and it's great to watch the movie, but if you were part of it, if you were part of the work that was being done, do you think that John that day walked out of the theater at the end of the movie? No. In fact, him and the whole crew of people were there and they were watching when they saw their name on the screen. They started cheering and they started getting really excited. Um, I imagine that there's something going on for these people when Phoebe brings this letter and she opens it up and they start reading and Paul has mentioned their name, that he's particularized them and he said, you are part of this, that this is something that is important. You are important. Um, have you seen the movie Three Amigos? There's a scene saying, the gringos must be falling from the sky. Um, our, our, one of the characters, El Guapo, is with his guys and they're celebrating his 40th birthday and he's going around to the table and he's recounting and he, he says, I know each one of you like I know my own smell. <laughs> and he's going through and he comes up to the first guy and hits him in the shoulder and dust flies off because they're so dirty. And he says, Carlos, hey, they all scream. We fought the priests of this mission. And he goes to the next one. Juan, hey, we crushed the federales in Oaxaca. And they go through and you see the Chevy Chase thing where he hits him. He says, I have no idea who you are. And he arrests him, right? This is what Paul is doing, though. He's, he has a relationship and he's building and he's saying, I notice you and I see you. And, and so what we want to do is we want to be able to say there's something going on here, that there's a relationship, and we need to be doing this with the people in our life to take notice, to see them, and to say, I'm particularizing you. How do you do this? And some of you, you have not had this voice in your life of people saying, you are important and you are special and I see you and I notice you because of this. And because that hasn't really happened to you a lot in your life, you are not really good at doing it with other people as well. And so it takes 
a little bit of courage. It takes a little bit of chutzpah. It takes a little bit of confidence to go up to somebody and say, you know what? I need to acknowledge you. I need to, I need to just stop right now and say something. It's beyond you're having a great hair day or those glasses really fit your face perfectly, right? It's, it's something that is soulish. It's something that is, is stirring. And it's something that we can give to other people as, as a gift and as a blessing. And it might be awkward and you might have to go up to them the first time and say, you're about to be particularized. And then you just start talking and you just start telling people the good things about them. Not like this was what makes you weird. Um, this is what makes you wonderful. And, and to look at them through the eyes of God. Um, there's a couple of interesting people here that, that he brings up, that Paul brings up. One I just wanted to make mention of because it's kind of interesting. One is uh, a guy named Rufus. In verse 13, greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord, also his mother and mine. Um, and the cross-reference in here is from Mark chapter 15. Um, and in Mark 15, uh, Mark is actually writing to the people in Rome. And, and so he actually says something that's, it just stood out to me. And, and this is what he said in Mark chapter 15, verse 21. Jesus is being mocked. Jesus is about to be crucified. He's already been beaten. And as he's carrying his cross through the town, um, the soldiers took him away. And they're going. And, and as they're going along, there's this man who enters the scene. And it says in Mark 15, 21, it says, They pressed into service a passerby coming from another country. During this time, it's the Passover um, this is where the Jews would come in, one of three holidays, a pilgrimage feast where they would come in to the temple and they would worship. And so there's a passerby coming in from a distant country. His name is Simon of Cyrene. And then Mark puts an interesting little footnote, a parenthetical statement. He says, who is the father of Alexander and Rufus to bear his cross. Simon of Cyrene carried the cross for Jesus. Imagine what took place in his life that day. Probably goes back to Rome, has a son, has two sons, Alexander and Rufus, but Paul is specifically mentioning Rufus, and he's saying, hey, um, I, I actually believe that Simon's life was changed after he carried Jesus' cross. And so he goes back, and, and the people in his family start to believe and he raises a boy named Rufus who is now part of the Roman church. And now Paul is writing. And just imagine what it was like. Hey, tell me the, the story again about the day that your dad carried the cross for Jesus. And so there is a community that is being built. And so Paul is acknowledging what's happening there. We also particularize when we show affection. Uh, in Romans 16, verse 16, it says, Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Um, back in my college days, this was a great pickup line. But there's something that's going on here. We particularize one another when we show affection. Now, Holy Kiss was a mark of belonging to the early church. If you were part of the community, it's, it's my Grandpa Joe is what I picture, is grab me by the face and say, my beautiful boy chiklok, which I don't even know what that means, but grab my face and just give me the wettest kisses. And it was, it was the greeting. And you just kind of had to prepare. You couldn't stop. You couldn't get away from it. Grandpa would just come in and he would just kiss you wet. And you just you had to wipe it all off. And if you wipe it off, he'd give you another one. 
That was an unholy kiss. What Paul is talking about is saying, <laughs> greet one another with a holy kiss. It's called the kiss of peace. And it was actually something that became part of the church liturgy as early as 1st and 2nd century. That this was a greeting. This is kind of Middle Eastern. This is how it would go. You would come up and you would kiss the, the cheeks, the face. And there's arguments whether... It was just the men on this side and the women on this side, which is typical uh, for the synagogue, that the men would be giving kisses to the men and the women kissing the women. And there would just be this greeting. And there would be this, this part where we would come together. And this is how we do it because we are part of the body of Christ. This is something that sets us uniquely apart. Maybe the best that we have here today is a handshake. But what, what is it that we have? And I'm not saying that today we need to bring back the kiss of peace Although if Dave came back in a couple of weeks and we were all doing it, it would be really fun. Hey, yeah, Dave, Matt, Matt preached a couple weeks ago. He brought back the holy kiss, the, the kiss of peace. This is great. But there's, culturally, there's, there's a couple things going on. In, in Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7, around verse 36, um, Jesus is going um, into the home of a man. And it says in, in actually, Luke seven thirty seven. There was a woman in the city who was a sinner, and when she learned that he was reclining, when Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume, and standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and kept wiping them with the hair of her head, and kissing his feet and anointing them. So this is the scene that's taking place, but then later on, we have Simon and saying, why are you letting sinners into my house? And so Jesus answers in verse 44, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. There's something culturally that's going on that we can pay attention to and say that there is something about affection. And so some of my friends and my guy buddies, when we see each other, we give each other a hug. Every once in a while, Wakeling will slip a kiss on my cheek and I push him away. (laughs) But this is something that was going on. And it's even more profound when I think about Judas on the night that he betrayed Jesus. He betrayed him with a kiss. But as we show affection to one another, to really reach out and say, you are part of the body, we are particularizing one another. Um, would you skip to verse 21 with me? Um, we're going to hold verses 17 to 20 for next week. Paul is particularizing a couple of other people. In verse 21, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you, and so do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater. Sosipater, dinner's ready. My kinsman. And I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. So we have a a sense that Paul is dictating this letter, and there's a guy, Tertius Tertius is putting his signature on it right here. Gaius, host to me, and the whole church greets you. Erastus, the city treasure, greets you, and Quartus, the brother. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And then he goes into a doxology. He goes into a prayer of blessing. And he says, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret in the past, this has been kept secret, and now it's being revealed, now is manifested, and by the scriptures of the prophets, 
according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known. It's been revealed and it's been shown to all the nations. Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles, leading to obedience of the faith. So the only wise God through Jesus Christ be the glory forever. He's praying a prayer of blessing. He had another doxology in chapter 11, verses 33 to 36. But he's extending this prayer of blessing. And he's saying that this is my prayer for you. And if you want to do some extra work, you could look at those last few verses, 25 to 27. And then go back and read chapter 1 of Romans. And you'll see that he's kind of re-emphasizing all of the stuff that he set up in chapter 1 as the outline for his letter. He's kind of saying, this is what I just told you. And so he's outlining it. But he's extending a blessing upon these people. And he's saying, this is what you need to know, that I love you and I pray a prayer of blessing. In children's ministries, before we let the kids out, we extend our hands and we put our hands on their heads and we surround them and we pray a prayer of blessing over them. If you have kids, every once in a while, I just encourage you to sneak out early and get into the class and just pray a prayer of blessing. But you don't have to do that here. You can actually do that at home. Finally, where I want to land is this. We particularize because we have been particularized. You and I have been particularized by a God who notices us, who sees us, and who loves us. Um, Go with me real quick to Genesis chapter 16. Context for this passage is Abraham and Sarah have been promised by God that they're going to have a baby that's not coming. So plan B, instead of going with God's plan A, plan B was, hey, Abraham, take my maidservant, Hagar, and with her, you can have a child, and we'll just take that child. And so this is how we're going to try to make God work for us, because it's not working. He's not working for himself. And so Abram goes into the tent, impregnates her, and it turns this relationship between Sarah and Hagar into a very bitter one. And so much so that Sarah is mistreating, treating Hagar very harshly, so much so that she has to escape. So Hagar runs out and she leaves, probably never to return. And in Genesis 16, verse 7, we pick up. She's somewhere in the wilderness. She's Egyptian, so she's going back to her homeland, going through the desert. She is pregnant, so this is not an easy trip. Probably in a lot of pain emotionally. And this is what happens in verse 7. Now the angel of the Lord. Whenever it says in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord, instead of an angel of the Lord, this is a theophany. This is God himself showing up and he is doing something. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, which is the only place you want to go to if you're in the wilderness. By the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, Where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. Then the angel of the Lord said, Return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. And the angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child and you will bear a son. And you shall call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord has given heed to your affliction, and Ishmael, he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him, and he will live to the east of all of his brothers. It's kind of a true prophecy, right? Ishmael and Israel are still going at it today. 
But it's interesting, her response. Remember in verse 7, it says, The angel of the Lord found her. In verse 13, She came and she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God who sees. For she said, Have I even remained alive here after seeing him? You must be the God of Abraham. You are the God. You see me. Therefore, the well was called Be'er Lahai Roy, which means the well of the living one who sees me. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bered. God is in the habit of seeing, and when Jesus shows up on the scene, it's no different. I want to just close with this in Luke chapter 8. And you can read through this if you feel really challenged. Go back through the Gospels and see all of the places. Read through the lens of Jesus seeing other people. But in in Luke 8, I don't think it's Luke 8. But let me tell you what happens. Jesus is passing through a crowd and he's going to heal one person. And he's getting pushed from every side. And as he's doing this, there's a woman who had been bleeding, hemorrhaging. Her, her entire life and she reaches out and she grabs his cloak grabs his robe and and the bleeding stops and Jesus stops and he says who touched me I felt some power leave me and in that moment Jesus stops and he notices but this is something that Jesus does he he sees Zacchaeus in the tree there's another crowd it's always in these crowds it's always in the complication of all of this and and Jesus is the one that always stops and he always sees I want you to know today that we have a God who sees, that you are seen, maybe not by man, but you are seen by God above. And He loves us. He cares about us. And so what I want us to do today is in the bulletin you had a postcard. We did a postcard last week to our missionaries, right? I guess I like postcards. Um, maybe this is a first step for you, is that you think of somebody in your life that needs to be particularized that you find somebody in your life that needs to hear a word from you, but from the Lord. And maybe this is just the first step. This is your particularization starter kit. But I think it's even more effective if you can go up to somebody and say, you're about to be particularized. Um, We here, as you came in today, you saw the welcome to Calvary mats. Um, What I love about Paul is he's including everybody. And he's saying, you are part of this body. And so I want us to know that here at Calvary, as you walk in, and those mats next week will be moved outside, but we want this to be a place where people are being particularized. We want to be the voice of the Lord in people's lives and be able to say, I think that God is moving, I think that God is stirring, and so that we can kind of impart that graciousness to others and say, I see you right now, and then there is a God who sees you that we can welcome, that Calvary is a community that we are welcoming people in and saying, you belong here, you have a place here, and you are part of the body of Christ. This is what we are about. So I encourage you to start with the postcard, but I also just encourage you to go up to people and to say, you are loved, you are seen, you are noticed. Some of the biggest core hurts in your life were that you were not seen. Some of you, your parents didn't see you. Maybe your spouse doesn't see you, um, but I want you to hear that God sees you and to even just go to him and say, God, will you reveal yourself? I know that you are a God who knows my name. 
will you make yourself known to me? We pray. Lord God, we thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for seeing us. Thank you for calling us your children. Thank you for being that God who notices. And we are in this place. Orange County, three million people. And it can at times feel like we are totally unseen, not noticed. And so God, would you just speak your words, particularizing us, reminding us that we are your beloved children, that that you care for us deeply. So work in us and stir something in us that we would be bold enough to go to others. In Jesus' name. Amen.